Gwen from Twitter, and you are listening to State of Swift, and I'm with my co-hosts, Dylan and Trevor. Hello. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Swiftmas, more like. Ooh, I like it. Absolutely. Tays the season. <laughs> it is, it is. So what are we here today to talk about, y'all? I believe we're here today to take a quick break from our journey through Taylor Swift's catalog to uh, have a quick discussion about a little collection of holiday songs she released back in 2007. Yep. And if I can just give us a, a sub-quest on top of that, I also think while we're here, it'd be nice if we can figure out the reason for the season. Is that something we could put on the table? <laughs> yes. I, I think that would be a good idea. And one more thing that I'd, I'd like to set up for the end of the oh, episode. okay. I have a little bit of a Christmas present for you guys. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Wilding. Okay. It's not much, but now it can officially happen. You know what else can officially happen? <laughs> us finally talking about some of this wild shit that has been going on in the world of Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, because just like Santa Claus brings presents to, you know, good little boys and girls, Taylor has been bringing us gifts in the form of stuff to talk about on our podcast. Man, we, we really took the worst time to, like, not make episodes. <laughs> like, like the second we, like, took a little break there, she just started, like... She started snapping. <laughs> it's true. She really did. So what what do we want to talk about first? Yeah, Gwen, help, help take us through the journey. Okay, okay. So... <laughs> Reputation Stadium to a movie for Netflix. Hey. It's coming out on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day, if you will. So that means that like one of these one of these these tour documentaries that I've heard so much about that that one really dumb video from Fearless for Fearless was cut from. Yes, yes. We're getting one of these, but but it's like legit on our streaming shit. We can like watch it on our TVs. Yeah, because like the 1989 World Tour movie was on Apple Music, which was like fine, but like you needed Apple Music to watch it. I actually bought a bootleg of it on eBay, so now I can watch it whenever I want. <laughs> Don't tell Taylor Nation I said that. Oh, no. Yeah, oops. Physical media of streaming-only releases? Scandalous, Gwen. <laughs> I know, right? So what do we know about this? What do, tell us about this release. What do we know about it? Yeah, there's going to be there's gonna be giant robot snakes, right? Absolutely. We're going to get Karen herself. Oh, yeah, Karen, yes. who was the giant robot cobra that she brought out for uh, her opening performance at... What what award ceremony was that? I think it was the, like, the AM or something. Just to wait, I have to clarify that the giant robot snake name is Karen. Yeah, it's Karen with, with a K. We all think that's like a, a like a dig at the Kardashians because like it has to be. That's so funny. That's like such a that's such a fifty five year old secretary name. But yeah, okay, I, I, I'm with it. Giant robot snakes named Karen. We're in the world of Taylor Swift now. Love it. I know, right? I can't wait to see Karen in action. So yeah, so the Reputation Stadium tour movie uh, was announced on her birthday as like a birthday gift for us. And uh, actually, yesterday, Taylor <laughs> Taylor Nation tried, like, teasing the cover, like, the official poster for it. And they, like, posted, like, a little puzzle piece on their, their Instagram story. And everyone's like, you know, oh, wow, what's this? And and that before they could even post the second one, Taylor just posted the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> proving proving that, 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 that Taylor Swift is an is a, a autonomous being and she is not <laughs> defined or controlled by Taylor Nation. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's coming. When is that coming? When do we watch this movie? Oh, that is coming New Year's Day. I've got that rep reference up in there. Yeah. Damn. Also, you two reference <laughs> that, that could have been the actual intention. I, I don't know anything about you two. They have a song called New Year's Day. I just know that they forced everyone to listen to their album. I'm surprised Taylor hasn't pulled that move yet. <laughs> oh yeah. It feels like it's in her wheelhouse. Well, maybe so. I bet when that happened, she was like, "I wish I thought of that." <laughs> as angry as America was about that U two stuff. 
done. If Taylor pulled it, I feel like Twitter would never be shoutier. Oh yeah, Twitter would be like they'd be Twitter would be so mad. They would attack her so hard for that. They'd be like, "Oh, she can't sell her album. That's why she's forcing <laughs> everyone to listen to it." You know. Well, Twitter got a little a little shouty about another big announcement she made uh, recently. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's really talk about this shit. Wow. The Tay liberal jumped out. I could not be happier. <laughs> yes, Brett Kavanaugh. You know, was found innocent of all charges lobbied against them. I won't recite them here. You know, if you want to find out more about that, there are places you can read about it. And Taylor kind of responded by unleashing her political opinions at last on social media. Unmasking them, really. She snapped. She's been classically very tight-lipped about, like, her political affiliation. Yeah. Never really saying, like, who she voted for in elections, or even if she voted, I don't I don't really know all the facts. I, I know that she supported Obama, like, for a minute. Um, and I think she hung out with Michelle Obama one time. And she dated, like, a Kennedy or something. Really? Oh, there's a song about it. Don't worry. It's coming up. That's going to be an interesting episode of uh, How You Get the Girl. That's insane. <laughs> I'm have to fight a Kennedy? Yeah. Oh, no. Dylan, you'll join an exclusive club uh, shared with only those such as Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> Indeed, and Bridges. I mean, there's, you know. Gwen, I want to know where your head was at on that fateful day because I know that deep down you must have always assumed that that Taylor's heart was in the right place, but, but you couldn't have known. Yeah, that's the thing because it's like at school people would be like, Oh, she's a Trump supporter. And I'd be like, but she's not. And they're like, how do you know? She's never said it. I'm just like, but I just know. <laughs> I know. Trust me. In your heart. Yeah. And, and but people at school would still give me a hard time. Like, oh, you know, she's yeehaw. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. They just didn't. They just never <laughs> listened. But now. But you elect a rapist to the Supreme Court and, you know, somebody needs to take a stand. Yeah. Yeesh. But how interesting that Taylor has finally taken the political stage at the same in the same year that a classic nemesis of hers also kind of threw a certain colored hat into the ring. Are you referring to a red trucker style hat? I am, and I'm talking, of course, about you know Kanye West, the exact opposite of her universal force, as we discussed in our Speak Now episode. Uh, yes. I'm trying to think, doesn't the left need an equivalent piece of like head clothing that we can wear? Well, there's the pussy hat, right? <laughs> Taylor could wear one of those on an Insta story. People would love it. People would love it. Our fave. I feel like the, the main thing this is for me, though, the main thing that makes it interesting to me is this feels like a huge step out of the established value system of Taylor Swift, which to me had always kind of read as what Taylor, what's most important to Taylor is that everybody loves Taylor. But this is like a, she knew, she knew she'd be, she'd be shaking some people off the, off the bandwagon. And it was, you know, she decided she cared about something enough to do it anyway. That's a big moment for Taylor, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Cause like before she would like, with like, yeah, like there's like some interview or something from like, I don't know, like this, speak now era or something and and she's like yeah i don't talk about politics because i don't really feel like people want to be like preached at by me or, or something like that and she was like and i also don't feel like i know enough about stuff to go tell people about it or something like that but she's like yeah i have my own beliefs but you know <laughs> likely story swift yeah you know, but i'm so happy for her now that she's like feeling I'm, i mean like you know confident enough to like say it what kind of impact do you think this had on her fan base Gwen? do you think she really did lose a significant portion that was that was a day that was a day let me tell you because the, the like like the divide between like the yeehaw and the woke swifties has always been kind of like clear like 
Because, you know, she's she's so huge that, you know, you're bound to have fans in, like, every area. Well, and she started her career as a, as a country artist. And I mean, not to make broad generalizations, but most of the people who listen to country radio probably don't fall on that side of the spectrum. So. Yeah, and, and I think that's for, like, this isn't, like, the, the sole reason she is so popular. But, like, you know, like, there's no, like, parents that'll be like, I forbid you of listening to them because they, you know, didn't vote for Trump or something. And she also, let's, let's not forget that she <laughs> made this announcement like three days after her her tour ended and it ended up being the highest grossing tour in the u.s of all time she really just collected her coins just just left <laughs> she did wait until she did she secured the bag i can respect that well she had payroll to, to fill she didn't want her big political stance to impact the hair and makeup guys you know a generous queen but yeah like i saw so many posts of people who are like i can't believe i spent 300 dollars on this tour and now taylor doesn't like trump or something <laughs> <laughs> when i spent 300 dollars on ticket it was under the implicit understanding that taylor swift supported donald trump i'm so disappointed <laughs> but yeah her mind you know but yeah it was it, it was it was quite the day it was it was very wilding i like I don't even remember what I was doing when she posted it. I just remember, like, looking at my timeline and seeing people being like, I'm so proud of Taylor for saying that. I can't believe you know, she's so brave. And I thought she, like, came out for, like, a second. Like, came out, came out. I don't know why, but it was, like, it was for a moment there. The the news really spread, Gwen. In fact, I read, I read a quote in a Central Californian high school newspaper <laughs> that I found very, very salient. I believe it was uh, one, one Gwen Morris yeah. was quoted to say, her impact dot 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 she truly has such a good platform and she's using it wisely now Gwen I have to ask Uh how much rambling was covered up by that dot 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 in the middle of that quote it's like three minutes of me just like her mind is just so powerful you know like she really just went off on that one like and they took so much of it out Like this, this the girl who interviewed me. She's like from my school newspaper, and she's sweet. And she like stopped me in the hallway, and she was like, "Hey, Gwen, can I stop you for a quick interview? You know, Taylor Swift just got all political, and you're like this school Swifty." And I was like, "I got you, I got, I got you." And now she's expelled because she missed the rest of her classes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was her passing period, which is like three minutes long, and I just wasted the whole thing, just like. She's just, like, you know, she went off, you know what I mean? Did she just keep going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, great, cool, that's great, that's all, okay, yeah, Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, great. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And and she would, like, come in with questions, like, okay, but, like, like, what do you think about, like, her specific, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that one right there, like, that was great. (laughs) Well, let's hope this is all just leading up to Taylor squaring off against Kanye for the Oval Office in 2020, right? Oh, right? That's the next logical step in their cosmic feud the battle of our lifetimes absolutely vote for taylor tay tay 2020 i'm into it i mean i'll be able to vote i would vote for taylor you know like go off who could you see taylor picking as her running mate gwen ed sheeran (laughs) (laughs) i could see her doing that taylor picking ed sheeran as her running mate would be a suicide move (laughs) like parallel to picking sarah palin yeah he would torpedo her campaign imagine that actually happening so i think we have one more big news item to talk about and that's uh taylor uh making the jump to a new label miss taylor signed to umg republic records ladies so that means 
more albums coming our way. And and we kind of already knew that there would be more albums coming our way, but now it's official because her Big Machine contract ended, and now she... I feel worried about Big Machine. Cause they, all I know about them is that they're a tiny label that happens to have Taylor Swift on the roster. So like, Yeah, is Scott Barchetta just like tightening a noose right now? What's going on? Is he okay? Has anybody checked in on him? Taylor was something like something like 60% or like 50% of like the entire revenue of every artist on the entire label. Like, I don't, like, I think the other one is, like, Little Big Town. Never heard of them. Is that that PlayStation video game where you're a little voodoo doll? They're, like, this country trio. No, they're not even a trio. They're, like, a 4 Never mind. Needless to say, they're no Taylor Swift. Well, that is interesting, though, because because if they own, if, if Big Machine owns her masters, that means, like, they literally own the recordings that she made. So, theoretically, we could get some real cash in, like, Here's some deleted outtakes. Here's some things she didn't want released, and now we can put them out to make money on them, which, like... I would love that. <laughs> as a fan. I mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah Taylor yeah. Swift Rarities compilation, please. I'll take it. Well, I think that just about covers um, the the news we needed to get caught up on. Do you guys want to talk about this EP? Hell yeah. Actually, Trevor, I have a little bit of a Christmas surprise myself. Oh, boy, what could this be? It's a secret set. I didn't bring anything, you guys. <laughs> I feel bad. You might have recalled a while back when we were having a show conversation and Gwen was like, do we have any voicemails? And I was like, nah. (laughs) Well, it turns out... Are you telling me it's time for a very special holiday edition of our call-in segment, Speak Now? Oh, hell yeah! I think that if you know how you feel so clearly, you should say it. Sometimes, Sometimes on Christmas... We need to do little white lies to help perpetuate Christmas magic. Uh-huh. And that's what I was doing when I said we didn't have any voicemails because check this hot speak now voicemail out right now. <laughs> Hi, this is Gwen's mom. Um, I am so happy you guys are doing this podcast with her. She's doing such a great job. I'm so proud of her. I wanted to call and say that I am just so surprised that you guys didn't like the song Best Day. It's one of my absolute favorites. Makes me cry every single time I hear it. And I think perhaps maybe you guys are not in the right demographic for it. It's definitely a mommy and daughter song. And um, give it another shot in that vein. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much for um, doing this. And I'm proud of Gwen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, what a lovely holiday surprise. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so sweet. Well, Trevor, should we take her advice and try to re-experience that song as a mommy and daughter? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> I call daughter. How about instead we take a oh listen to uh, some some lovely holiday covers and originals, courtesy of Taylor Swift, <laughs> and start talking about the Taylor Swift Holiday collection. Hell yeah! Let's do it! Ooh, how we doing, kids? <laughs> I'm opening Taylor Swift's handwritten presents right now. Can I call you back at another time? This is exactly what my childhood smelled like. Christmas trees. Christmas trees! <laughs> mm-hmm. Taylor Swift Holiday Collection, originally titled Sounds of the Season, is a Christmas EP by American singer-songwriter Taylor Swift. The EP was first released October 14, 2007 by Big Machine Records, exclusively to Target stores in the United States and online. It was originally a limited release, but was released to iTunes and Amazon on December 2nd, which is also my birthday, uh, 2008. <laughs> and then again to, in October 2009 to Target stores. 
Hell yeah. This is kind of an interesting transitional moment, right? Because this is like the first the first thing that happens after the massive impact of that debut album. Yeah, it was immediately after her, well, not immediately after, kind of after her debut album. And then after this, she released another little EP. So like, she, she said that she was just like tying us over for Fearless, which obviously, as we know, goes off. So, yeah. was a huge leap. God, I didn't even realize it was that early in her career, which is interesting because I think something that I really like about this EP, I'll come right out and say it, is that it kind of gives us little glimpses of every different Taylor that I feel like we've come to know and love over the course of this show so far. Oh, really? Interesting. That's a very astute point that you've made there, Trevor, because there are there do, there does seem to be like a little you get a little taste of the fearless Taylor here, don't you? You do. Sure, yeah. And like evil Taylor pokes her head in every now and then, and there's messy Taylor too. <laughs> I almost picturing it being played by like all of the Taylors together, just in a big band together. <laughs> oh, how fun! I've got to say, my my religious experience was not this this <laughs> this wilding. What's your relationship with this thing? Do you care about this EP, Gwen? I like it. I mean, it's been around for like as long as I've been alive, practically. That's not true, but as long as I've been in a Taylor, pretty much. So like my whole entire life, like I remember giving this this CD as a gift to like all of my friends who like didn't weren't like that excited about it. <laughs> But I'm just like, hey, I think you should re- listen to this because it's really good. You know, like me when I'm like nine. Is it any kind of annual tradition for you at this point? Oh, yeah. Like every year I force my family to listen to it with me. <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> I like put it, plug it into the speakers. And I'm like, it's that time again, y'all. You know? Hold those, hold those um, motherfuckers hostage. <laughs> with your Taylor yes. Swift Christmas EP. I love it. I love it. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's, I love it. Um, you know, it has gotten like, I don't know if, if, I, it's like I don't want to use the word stale because that's not really what I'm trying to say. But like you know, when, when it's not the season, you don't find yourself being like, "I gotta bust out the the Taylor Swift Christmas EP." Maybe like one of. I them. gotta say, I think there is one kind of a hidden gem of a classic on here. Yeah, yeah. There's there's one on here that I go back to when it's not Christmas, but you know. But yeah, it, it feels like inessential listening. Mm-hmm. I'll say, I definitely I got my Taylor fix here. I I definitely got my Taylor fix here. But I but I want to go off on a on a. I'll, I'll I'll keep it fairly abbreviated rant here. Uh, so there's this like kind of semi-genre of music that I'm kind of both re- fascinated and repulsed by, which is like pop stars failed attempt to write a new Christmas classic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's definitely an example of that here. So the canon of Christmas music is like an incredibly exclusive club. It's actually, guys, been nearly 25 years since there's been a new established Christmas classic. That, of course, being All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. We had a couple of like near misses. Like Faith Hill had a song called, uh, called uh, Where Are You Christmas that like looked like it was going to catch on for a second. Uh, Justin Bieber had one called Mistletoe that had a hot year or two, but that's already faded. They don't play it on our Christmas radio anymore. It's interesting to me because even though this is a very difficult velvet rope to get behind, it's clear why songwriters and pop stars continue to try to do this because I actually read this Time Magazine interview with this German dude who co-wrote All I Want for Christmas is You, and he he disclosed that he get he earns six million dollars in royalties every year off of that song. Oh my god! So if you can land one of these, you are fucking set for the rest of your life. That's incredible. But I personally also <laughs> have this really complex like tapestry of emotions that fill me up whenever I listen to one of these like 
duds, these Yuletide duds that didn't make it into the club, you know? Because I feel like it's, I feel judgmental because it feels like a really shameless display of, like, wealth, lust, and glory, you know? But then I also can tell, like, how hard the artist is trying to make it work. And then you can usually tell in the first few seconds, like, nope, this was never going to work. This was never going to happen. <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about this one because it really is something to watch Taylor go for it here <laughs> and just completely miss the dunk yeah. in a way that we don't really see happen. But I feel like we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I just, I need to, I need to establish a concept before we move forward. Okay. I was thinking about how to, what word can I use to describe this, both this empathetic cringe that I feel and also this like mm -hmm. this judgmental, like you just want to make your $6 billion feeling that I had. <laughs> and I realized what I needed you guys was one of those really long journeys. German words that describes like a specific mm -hmm. feeling, you know, uh -huh. yep. like there's a, there's Torschlusspanik, which is a, a gate shut panic describing the anxiety you feel as you're running out of time to accomplish your goals. Or there's Frühjahrsmüdigkeit, which is literally <laughs> springtime tiredness, meaning a feeling of listlessness that sets in as spring approaches. So I actually reached out to one of our listeners, a German-speaking listener oh <laughs> named Dottie. Thank you very much, Dottie. Hi, Dottie. For help. And eventually, she and I came up with uh, Weihnachtsgerblemage, <laughs> or literally, Christmas Greed Embarrassment. Oh my yeah. So for the two original Christmas songs on this album, you guys, I'm going to give it a ranking or like a rating on its Weihnachtsgerblemage factor uh -huh. from Eins to Zen. Great. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, Taylor did grow up on a Christmas tree farm, so shouldn't she have some kind of fucking special insight? She did. She did. This is her territory. God, I love thinking about Taylor as a sad teenage girl growing up on a Christmas tree farm. Absolutely, yeah. Or when she had to go collect all those locusts yes. from that house because she didn't take all the eggs off. Uh, Pretty good. All right, l let's get into talking about the tracks. How about? Well, first of all, I just like I would actually just like to mention that the the, uh, the art for this, this, this EP... Oh, is, yeah. um, it's just two drops of my guitar. It's Spear just like a full-on like screenshot, like the back. Of, like, have you seen the back of it? The back is literally a screenshot from the video, and they just like put it there. Right. And like the the I'm sorry, the like the the, 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 the design of it is like it's kind of ugly. Like I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna sit here and lie. You know. Good point. Good call. Thanks, Gwen. Yep. But let's get into these tracks. Yeah, starting off with the opener, which is a cover of Wham's classic "Last Christmas." Uh, it's a jam. The guitars go off. Uh, I don't have that much to say about it, but I just like my brother really likes it. <laughs> I think she does a pretty good job with this one. Last Christmas is probably one of my favorite Christmas songs. I have a very complicated relationship with Christmas music in that I like a lot of the material, but it also makes me profoundly sad. I get that. I get. I don't really like Christmas music that much. Like, I just don't like to sit and listen to it. I, I really like it. And I, and I like I like that it is able to elicit those emotions in me. And Last Christmas is a great one. Uh -huh. And I think Taylor does a pretty good job with it. 
she starts off kind of out of the pocket, I think. Her voice sounds a little weird and shaky, but eventually by like maybe like the second chorus, she eventually gets in there and they really lock into a groove. Yeah, her voice isn't isn't the strongest on this EP, I'll say that, you know? Um, also, my mom doesn't like this song. Like, not just the Taylor version, just like in general. She doesn't That's like weird. It. My mom really likes Last Christmas. Shelly has warmed up to this one, but it used to be a big bone of contention for her. She didn't like that only one line of the song actually takes place on Christmas, but I <laughs> I eventually pointed out to her that like only one scene of It's a Wonderful Life takes place on Christmas, so if that's a Christmas movie, this is a Christmas song. Oh, that's, a, that's actually a point. My, I gotta say, this is probably my favorite cut off this thing. I think that this, this scratches the Taylor itch for me the best, and I think she did a really... Yeah, it's actually my second fave on here. She, she, she did a really smart job in this arrangement of packing it with all kinds of little Taylor, signature Taylor moves. Yeah. You know, like that once bitten and twice shy, that, and like the flame in his heart. She really like locked into some cool melody things here, I think. Now I know what a fool I've been. That's so super tailory. And it's got the country arrangements of so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's super like twangy. And I think this also sounds more like something off of Fearless to me in this arrangement than something off of the first one. I, I think that too. That's a that's a good that's a good point. You know, I, I I feel like it's a good nod towards the shift she was about to take stylistically, and I and I think lyrically it's a great match for her brand. I'll even say like. At least for now, I'm probably more likely to put this version on than that Wham original. I like the energy of it. I think that she sells the verses a little bit better than George Michael does. He kind of swallows the verses mm-hmm. of this song a little bit and then, like, really picks up for the chorus. I can't think of what the actual one sounds like. Like, I don't really listen to, like, voluntarily listen to Christmas music other than this EP. So, like, I don't really have, like, that much to go off of. The most striking thing about the original is that little synth solo, that interesting synth solo at the end. There. That thing at the end. Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> Christmas is when you were mine? Please take down the mistletoe Cause I don't want to think about that right now Cause everything I want is miles away Snow-covered little town I actually, I this, I, I love this song. It's my favorite one on here. Um, I, this is, this is actually the only fully self-written song on the CP. The other one has a co-writer. Um, I used to skip this one when I was little because I was like, it's too slow. You know, I was like seven. Um, but now I've, now I've seen the light. Um, and it's, it's, it goes off, and I love it. And I listen to it even when it's not Christmas. This is also my favorite song on the record and I think it really is like a Taylor classic. Like it is. That j- it's, it's less of a Christmas song and more of a song that just happens to take place at Christmas. Yeah, like a Taylor Swift song that just is on Christmas. It's in the it's like in the in, in the vein of like classic sad winter songs and it like yeah. it brings me back to like such a specific time in my life when I was visiting uh, home for Christmas. I'm from the East Coast but I live in LA now and mm-hmm. it was the first time I visited home for Christmas uh since moving away and I was like in like the deepest pits of depression at this point in my life and I spent like Christmas Eve just kind of like walking around like the suburb that I grew up in like just kind of feeling very sad and like this song like sounds exactly what that experience was like like I just picture like Taylor Swift like bundled up in a coat and kind of just like 
walking from block to block looking into like other people's windows and like seeing them like being happy families and putting up Christmas trees and she's just kind of like outside like lingering on people's lawns and maybe like smoking a cigarette or something. I I gotta say this is my number two on this EP and it really grew on me. Initially I kind of thought it was a little bit of a yawn but uh, I will say Vinox Gerblemage factor wise it does it kind of registers because she does like name check mistletoe and a few other kind of like Christmas standard imagery things but there's a lot of substance here that really outshines that kind of emotional dread sensation that I would otherwise get like I think some of the guitar choices here especially the left hand choices are a little bit Nashville for for my taste but for the most part I really enjoy this classical guitar composition that underpins this song and I really respect the restraint of not kicking in with the cheesy bass and drums in the second verse or the third verse, which was like, yeah, I was, I'm really happy. It's like all acoustic-y, you know? Yeah. I, I don't associate yeah. this era of Taylor with that kind of restraint of arrangement. And I really like to see it happening here. Yeah. It made me realize that we really, the Christmas canon really is lacking like a full on pity party song. There's that one about the, um, about being in an apartment store and like some kid comes up to you and tries to get you to help him buy shoes for his dead mom or something. The Christmas shoes, the Christmas shoes. But that's yeah. like, that's more like tragedy porn. I mean like, <laughs> that's true. you know, more, I, I mean more like this. Like I really think Taylor digs into the poor me of it all. What's that other one that's about like meeting your ex in a record store on like I think that might technically be a same old Lang Syne or something. Yeah, same old Lang Syne. That might technically be a New Year's song but that that's also a pretty good pity party one. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like we need one of those, right? Yeah, like speaking of like sad Christmases, this totally reminded me. When my dad was like living on his own like a long time ago, like for Christmas he would like buy himself CDs and like wrap them and then like open them on Christmas and be like wow, I shouldn't have. Gwen, that is heartbreaking. I know, right? Gwen, your dad and I are the same person. It's great. He tells that story every year. That's a great story. That should be like, the, that we should all tell that story every year, like the Gospel of Luke and, and the little baby of the major. And then there'll be an epilogue. And then 2,000 years later, somewhere in Central California. What do you think? What do you think your dad's favorite CD that he's ever gotten himself is? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I don't know. Like, like when did he really knock it out of the park? He buys himself a lot of CDs. He's doing it actually again this year. He just bought like a whole lot of CDs and wrapped them for himself. Oh, no. He's keeping it up. Now it's just classic weird dad behavior. It's not yep. sad anymore. It's just classic weird dad behavior. There's nothing wrong with treating yourself. Um, Santa baby, man. Enter Evil Taylor. Santa baby, slip a sable under the tree for me. I've been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Smooth jamming, you, you feel me? No, thumbs down. Not into this one. Yeah, the, I don't, the fiddle is just too much. Like, I mean, like, I, I feel like I should just preface all of this with saying, like, I love every song on this because it's, like, you know, five Taylor Swift Christmas songs. Like, what's not to love? What's not to love, though, is the guitar fiddle thing. That's all I have to say. I don't like Santa Baby the song, and I would, like, never really put this on, but I can appreciate this as, like, all of the different tailors getting together for the holidays and being like, okay, everybody has to do a Christmas song. 
and Evil Taylor just like being in the corner, like spiking her punch, being like, "Fuck, I don't want to have to do this. What song should I do?" I love that. And just you know, deciding to do one that fully embraces like the commercialism and the worst aspects of the holiday. I like that this is here. I'm okay with that, I guess. But here's like the original is not a favorite of mine or anything, but its one strength is that interplay, the tension between the that over the top like breathy seductress delivery. But then the fact that, like, once you get past that performance, it's just an itemized list of all of the fucking money and things that this person wants, right? So it's like the orig- the cleverness of that original one is that you just hear this like this like you know May West sex pot delivery. But then once you once you get used to that, that's what this song says. Like she like asked for a platinum mind, you know? Like she, it's like it's there there is a cleverness to that original. But Taylor's doing this kind of straight country rock thing and it just it doesn't it it kills all the punchlines i feel like it it, it kind of comes off like much more like flirty than like little like really su- suggestive ones it just comes off to me like she didn't she didn't find an angle on it like she's just doing a really really straight or she just reason. doesn't find Santa that attractive <laughs> <laughs> which that's on her that's on her yeah what a nice beer <laughs> dylan i do i do agree that the, her delivery does kill the punchlines i think that's a pretty good critique but I like that it kind of like amps up all the country stuff just to almost be like obnoxious about it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, I I guess it's just like the this delivery means that the song has to work on its own merits, and I just don't think that the bones of Santa Baby are like strong enough to make it a good song if it doesn't have that other shit going for it, you know. No, I like I like this purely as a performance piece, i.e. somebody who doesn't want to be covering a Christmas song, covering a Christmas song. I feel that. I like that read. That is a fun read. This next one, though, don't really have a fun interpretation of this one. Okay, Silent Night. Admittedly, this is a little bit like New Revival Church Service feeling, but I again think that Taylor's done a really lovely job kind of making an old classic hers. Yeah, she like kind of like with she did that with like Untouchable, not the like Untouchables like the original Untouchables like a classic, but like, you know, she just sort of like, oh, I'm going to like half write a song. You know? Yeah, she's like, it's 85% a rework melody. She's found a lot of very delicate, swiftable moments in it and like, Mm-hmm. When the drums kick in, too, at that, like, like, last... They come off as, like, really dramatic. Yeah, like, and she's she's way up in the top of her range. She's great. She's staring outside a window, like, pretending she's in a music video or something. That's what this reminds me of. I will say, even though this is, like, a traditional that we all know and everything, there was something very striking mm-hmm. to me about hearing Taylor, like, straight-up name-check Jesus Christ in a song. Yeah. Because it's, like, up until now, like, Taylor's music's relationship to Christianity is like always been very euphemistic you know like mm-hmm. she likes to throw out a folksy reference to God but she's never yeah. she's never like you know he died for us God, can we please just start talking about Christmas must be something more already <laughs> yeah because because we're gonna get there like you basically already are <laughs> let's let's do it Didn't mean a thing Would the 
five without five golden rings Would you still want to kiss without mistletoe? What would happen if God never let it snow? What would happen if Christmas carols told a lie? Tell me what would you find? Okay. Um, this one always gets complaints from people saying it sounds like it was written to be played in Sunday school and like they aren't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty rockin' Sunday school. <laughs> this is the missed dunk moment and it happens, I feel like, in the most spectacular way. Oh, I agree. This is my mom's favorite. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, Gwen's mom. Sorry, Gwen's mom. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the next several minutes. I'm going to clock in this song's Vinox Gervamaja factor at a solid ox. My cup is running over with condemnation and discomfort. It's, it's, you guys, it's about like how, you know, like you gotta get back to the real, the reason for the season, you guys. <laughs> it just makes me picture like Taylor Swift, like in a CVS or something, like getting checked out. And the cash register person is like, happy holidays. And she like glares at them and is like, you mean Merry Christmas? <laughs> Speaking of Taylor's music's euphemistic relationship with her face. Yeah, here we see it happen in real time. We do, because initially, what does she call her lord and her savior, Trevor? What what does she call him in that first go-round? Who does she attribute to saving our lives but the birthday boy? The birthday boy. The birthday boy. Which makes me very uncomfortable, (laughs) and it brings up a specific unbearable Christmas memory, which I'd like to share with you guys. Let's hear it. Christmas Day, when I was like 15 or so, my increasingly eccentric stepmother uh, got a Safeway birthday cake and wrote Happy Birthday Jesus on it and (laughs) made us all sing Happy Birthday to Jesus prior to opening (laughs) presents. Now, all of us found this pretty harrowing, and ostensibly it was for the benefit of my step-cousin, her 10-year-old grandson. And I guess in her attempt to like awkwardly gaslight her children... She was saying, no, we used to do this every Christmas when you were kids. And they were both like, mom, we absolutely did not do this. And she like doubled down like, yes, we did. You just forgot. And then it's like, mom, we're five years apart in age. One of us would remember if this ever happened. It's too weird. Oh my gosh. Well, actually, fun fact, Jesus wasn't even born in December. He was born in like August. Like, that's a fact. Yeah. Have you read the Bible? He's not a Sagittarius. Come on. The Peaks Vidox Gerblemage moment on this EP and in this song, for me, it's it's whenever she sings Christmas must be something more, which is like the exact same tune of All I Want for Christmas is you. Wow. It's a complete lift. It's a total lift. Oh my gosh, I never noticed that. Wow. Miss Taylor! It's weirdly satisfying to experience, though, isn't it? Because, like, look, I love Taylor Swift. I've grown to love her over the course of this podcast so far. But, like, there's something great about watching somebody who's, like, able to do anything that she puts her mind to and never really fails and is super Mm -hmm. overachieving and decides to try and do this thing and then fails kind of spectacularly. Well, yes, absolutely. I, there is there is kind of like a, oh, she's just like you or me, you know, when you see the champion type rope walker lose their balance a little bit. 
There was one lyric I kind of liked until I realized that I was actually misinterpreting or mishearing it, which <laughs> I thought she was saying something wholly not superficial, as in like wholly entirely, W-H-O-L-L-Y, <laughs> which I thought was like an interesting turn of phrase, something wholly not superficial. I thought it was like, oh, that's uh-huh. cool. But then I realized, no, she's saying wholly. Oh, yeah, no. Gotta mind your homophones. There's like one part of it that always bugs me when she, not like, 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 okay, so like when she says... What would happen if presents all went away? And then she follows it with, tell me, what would you find? It's like, doesn't rhyme, right? And like, not that like songs have to like rhyme necessarily, but like, I feel like it should be, tell me what would you say? Like, that would rhyme and like make more sense. Cause like, what would you find if presents all went away? I don't know what I'd find, but I know what I'd say. Like, yeah, I, boy, I don't know, man. I don't know you guys. I'm just not sure about this. That's like something that's bothered me since I was in like fourth grade. <laughs> My favorite lyric is, what would happen if Christmas carols told a lie? Which is, like, strangely ominous. What would happen if every Christmas carol told a riddle that you had to unravel? Or face dire consequences? We have to find Santa Claus Lane. The the, the main thing here is just, to me anyway, is just that, like, why would she bring? Why would she subject us to calling Jesus Christ the birthday boy if she was later going to just call him Jesus Christ? <laughs> because you need that. You need that last act reveal. They just on the edge of my seat every time. Is she talking about celebrity presenter Mario Lopez? I know he was born on the twenty fifth. Oh, oh, Jesus! Interesting. I'm sure it's like you know she's speaking on a deeper level to how people you know try and take Christ out of Christmas, but you can't do it. He always shows up at the end. But you guys, Gwen's mom's right. It's it's a jam. We're all wrong about it i'm sorry (laughs) sorry mom isn't it ironic though that like she has this big centerpiece song about making sure that the christ stays at christmas but she chose to title the ep the holiday collection oh Oh, taylor damn and then yeah the second part of it sounds of the season you know i'm only here in one season and here's this there's no hanukkah jams on this thing christmas is in the title of three of the five no actually four of the five songs has Wait, I can't count. Hold on. One, two, three, four. <laughs> okay, um, four of the six. Is there six? Hold on. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Gwen, use your fingers. Use your fingers. I failed fingers. for one, I'm sorry. Okay, Christmas in the title. No doubt. Okay. She didn't even give us a let it snow or one of our one of our, our seasonal neutral ones, you know. However, I don't know I don't know if this is dog whistling, but she does hope that we all have a white Christmas. <laughs> Trevor, no. <laughs> I think this song is all of the different Taylors putting their differences aside for the holidays and performing (laughs) one big Christmas song together. (laughs) And you know that's Evil Taylor playing the fiddle, ruining the whole thing. It is. 
It's like the end of a charity single when all of the celebrities are obligated to sing the last chorus together. <laughs> exactly. I think this is more or less a straight read, but I think it's pleasant enough. Like, my favorite version of this song is that one by the Drifters, that really good doo-wop one. And then, like, there's also the classic Bing Crosby one with the Andrews sisters singing back up. I wouldn't slot this one above either of those, but, like... I don't mind this this banjo. I don't mind this twangy guitar. I agree that this fiddle is a little bit obnoxious, but I guess it, my main problem here is this just feels like more so of an like an afterthought than anything else on here. Like, yeah, it's like oh, we need one more song in here. To, like, I feel like it, it's an appropriate wrap up moment. You know, it's it doesn't it doesn't lean in too much to the commercial side of Christmas, and it also doesn't lean in too much to the the religious aspect. It's just kind of like a message that everybody can get behind. I hope it snows, you know, and Taylor Swift, at least in this stage in her career, was all about appealing to as many people as possible. I think we're all dreaming of a white Christmas, you know, the end of the day. You know what? Lately, I've been, I've actually been dreaming about my teeth falling out, so... I guess I'm. I guess I'm out. Well, we gotta wait till reputation until people's teeth start falling out. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a lot of Christmassy fun. Yeah. Before we wrap up, would you guys allow me the pleasure of presenting my Christmas gift? Hell to you? yeah, of course. Oh, of course, please. Well, we talked earlier about how now that Taylor Swift is off Big Machine, it's all fair game. They can start releasing greatest hits and stuff like that. Yep. So I thought. Why not, before any of that even starts happening, I I would, you know, throw my hat into the ring. I've put together for you guys a nice little greatest hits of Taylor Swift comprising the songs that we've talked about on the show so far from the first half of her career, the best of country Taylor. Aww. How fun. Yeah. Hit me with that Taylor 1.0 collection. Hell yeah. It's a pretty tight 15 song collection. I, I went for five songs from each of her first uh, three albums, four singles, and then one kind of bonus deep cut that I thought warranted an inclusion. I love it. I thought we'd open up with one of the biggest like uh door knocking down moments of taylor's career with the title track from fearless of course the best song on there with the with that drum with that with that snare hit perfect of course yeah i mean that was that's really what introduces us to taylor swift the serious musician hell yeah then i would go into mine love story teardrops on my guitar oh cool teardrops making it making it on the making it on the cut like it yeah you belong with me mean i'm only me when i'm with you mm-hmm. next we move on to back to december tim mcgraw 15 uh and the story of and that kind of wraps up most of the singles. There's one left that I chose for the closer. But then I have this kind of sequence of album cuts where I go from uh, The Outside, which I think was like uh-huh. so important to me initially forming a relationship with Taylor Swift as an artist, like introducing us to Taylor Swift, the awkward outsider. She's essential for early Taylor. Oh, yeah. Hey, Steven, because that song is just such a jam. Like, I love that one. And I know it gets some hate, so I really wanted to champion it and say that it belongs here on this compilation. Oh, yeah. Hey, Steven, redemption arc all the way. And I think for the second to last track on this thing, you have to slot in one of the most pyrotechnic moments of Taylor's career, Dear John. Oh, definitely. Love it. That's the big climax. That's that's the finale. Great. And then we go out with what I'm sure introduced her to a lot of people, our song. Love it. Love it. That's the officially State of Swift sanctioned Taylor 1.0 greatest hits. 
Hell yeah, man. Oh, guys, I'm feeling a little bit melancholy that we're rapidly running out of How Do Y'all Taylor material. I guess we still we still have another EP that we can get to down the line a little bit. But Contact next, we're going to be talking about her first real step into the pop world, Red. I can't wait for that. And I can't wait to throw a little green in that album title and make it real Christmassy, right? Red and green. Yeah. Red and green. I'm into it. Guys, I'm so happy we were able to sit down together and, and sit down with Taylor for what's turned out to be a very swifty Christmas. Word, man. Be sure to give us a call, of course, uh, as always, at 513-468-1989-1989 with your personal feelings about Red. If you have a bone to pick with us about how we dumped on Santa Baby, Taylor's version of Santa Baby, then definitely do that, too. Rent to us about how much you hate Taylor Nation. We all hate Taylor Nation, too. It's no secret. <laughs> or call up to staunchly defend them. I'd love to hear that call. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd, I, would, I would love to hear that. Or if anybody from Taylor Nation itself is listening and you want to spread some dirt from the inside. Please give me a secret session, please. <laughs> we will put the voice filter so you can retain your anonymity. Yeah, we won't get you fired. Yeah, we'll protect your identity. Just call in and spill the secrets. Yeah, definitely. Could you imagine how epic that would be? Like, Ugh. Taylor Nation interview. What was up with the flower wall? Hey, if anybody could crack the mystery of the flower wall, I think it's us. <laughs> but that's, that's an adventure for another day. For now, I'll just say that I've been Trevor Ickrath. I've been Dylan Flynn. I've been Gwen. Until next time. Stay Swifty! <laughs> Happy Swiftness. <laughs> Is that the day holds something special, something holy, not superficial? So here's to Jesus Christ who saved our lives.